You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. The Corinthian stance here is that all things are lawful. They have their rights. So it got me to thinking, you know, what are some of the rights that you have, the rights as Christians and privileges that you have as Christians? As Christians, we have the right to many things, actually. We have the right to eat any food or abstain from any food, if our body lets us. We have the right to drink any drink or abstain from any drink. We have the uh, right to worship and praise in many different ways. You can come here to the 5 o'clock. You can go to the 11 o'clock, the nave, the 9 o'clock nave. Different ways. You can get married. You can remain unmarried. You can read any book, watch movies, work a job. The question this evening, though, is whether we should use our rights. Whether we should use our rights. Should we eat whatever, whenever? Should we drink whatever, whenever? Should we hold on to our possessions, our traditions, our daily flow, our comforts, our own ways of living? Or maybe deeper still, our passage today gives us another perspective on our rights as Christians. Perhaps it is not the question of should or shouldn't we cling to our rights, but maybe it's a kind of peace, a rest, or a consolation that as Christians as those who have been given grace from God in our Lord Jesus, that we can begin to look not to our own well-being of living, but to our neighbor's well-being of living. And specifically for our passage today, to our neighbor's well-being of living, that they might be saved. If you remember um, from chapter 8, Paul addresses the Corinthians and their claim to knowledge They believe that their knowledge of the gospel gave them personal freedom to eat meat sacrificed to idols. Because in actuality, uh, they know that there is no such thing as a real idol because there is only but one God. And Paul agrees that they are right in thinking this way. He says, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and there is no God but one. And so here today we have a very similar passage where the Corinthians are clasping and uh, clinging on to their own knowledge, saying that all things are lawful. They are freeing Christ from performing the law or adhering to Jewish rituals, performing works for their own salvation. They have personal freedom to eat whatever. And again, Paul doesn't disagree. In verses 25 and 26 of our text today, He says, eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Yet at the same time, as Paul supports personal freedom, he also qualifies the Corinthian statement, all things are lawful. Paul says, but not all things edify, not all things build up. Paul is getting here at the point to what Zach said a few weeks ago, that you can be right and still be wrong. Now, I want to make a quick clarification. I think it's important to note um, 
that the issue in our verses today in 23 through 33 um, are what you could probably maybe call non-essential issues, at least in terms of justification, salvation, and being right with God, and righteousness. On the other side of that is the essential issue, which Paul addresses just verses before today. The essential issue of what the person lives life on, their, their stance, uh, their foundation. The essential issue is what uh, they have been given already in Jesus Christ. This is why earlier in chapter 10, Paul addresses idolatry as an absolute. Do not be idolaters. Flee from idolatry. In other words, place your worship and praise and fear rightly before Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons, he says in verse 22. So the inner person, a person's vertical relationship with God is the essential. By faith, a person is given to knowing nothing but Christ and Christ crucified for you. By faith, a person knows that there is no God but one. The absolute is the faith which trusts that there is one rock from which true living water flows. As Paul writes above in our chapter 10, verse 4, and the rock is Christ. The essential truth is what Paul references in regards to how to understand the non-essential issues, especially for the Corinthians' behavior. So the essential of faith in Christ informs the non-essential. The non-essential is what Paul is addressing in verses 23 through 33, how to conduct life, what behavior looks like as a fully devout Christian. So for the Corinthians, this issue of eating meat sacrificed to idols in Christian conduct was a matter of knowledge and rights. All things are lawful. So again, Paul actually confirms this truth and draws it up for them. In verse 25, he says, eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question. Eat whatever, and he qualifies that with scripture. Psalm 24, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. All things are God's, and you have the right to them. In this Corinthian time, meat could be sold in the marketplace that had been a part of a pagan sacrifice. And in the earliest times of Christianity, believers of the way, Christians, were often considered a branch of Jewish religion, making Jewish law and Christian living uh, pretty tricky. Not just for the Christians themselves, but especially for those on the outside kind of looking in. For instance, Paul often has to address uh, the issue of circumcision. In Christ, Christians are not under Jewish law. So Paul instructs in chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians, he says, Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. So why does Paul say uncircumcision nor circumcision count for anything? Paul says this to affirm the life, death, and resurrection of, of Jesus Christ. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything in regards to being justified before God, being in right relationship with God, and they do not count towards righteousness. 
In a similar way, with our passage today, you could kind of apply it to this meat situation. Neither eating meat nor not eating the meat counts for anything. In other words, nothing you do counts towards your own righteousness. No works are counted as a merit or a mark towards your own righteousness, but it is grace through faith given to you in Jesus Christ that suffices for everything you need for righteousness' sake. So, indeed, the Corinthians are free to eat meat. They have that right because of the grace of God that was given them in Christ Jesus. So, also, uh, we have freedom in grace to eat, drink, to marriage, to singleness, to drink copious amounts of coffee, if you please, and have sugar and cookies and grill meat or vegetables, whatever, is, uh, whatever you fancy in that sense. However, Paul has another point to make. The Corinthians, though their knowledge of the gospel seems to be right, they're actually clinging to their own rights. That's the issue here. They're clinging to their own rights and knowledge at the expense of misleading others, of their neighbors, specifically unbelievers, or weak-minded people, such as those people who are kind of on the fence with faith, those people who might be having the doubts of their faith, struggling with it, and especially for those who have no faith at all. So though all things are lawful, Paul redirects in verse 23 and 24, not all things edify, he says, not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Uh, Eugene Peterson in the message um, puts it this way. But the point is not to just get by. We do want to live well as Christians. But our foremost efforts should be to help others live well. See, the Corinthians are not clinging to the full gospel of Christ, but to their own rights, to the things that they claim that they can do. Paul might say that they are enslaved actually, to their own rights, dominated by their claim for what they can do. Paul references this in chapter 6, when he himself says, he's quoting the same thing, all things are lawful, that's what the Corinthians say, but Paul says, I will be dominated by none of them. And so in chapter 9, he writes extensively upon his rights that he has as an apostle and as a Christian. But for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of the Corinthians knowing the gospel, he did not make use of them. He did not ask to receive wage from them. He he gave up his rights. The Corinthian knowledge has puffed them up, as Paul would say. Clinging to knowledge and to rights leads to pride, puffing us up. Knowledge and clinging to rights leads to a navel-gazing virtue, only being able to look upon yourself and what is good for you. Clinging to rights leads to unconcern for your sister or your brother, and it leads to taking advantage of the weak and the vulnerable. And this is Paul's point. Grace in Jesus generously offers freedom from the law of justifying works. But grace ought to free us not to our own rights, but to the rights of others, to the benefit of our neighbor, and to the building up of your community, of your church. 
The fullness and riches of faith in Jesus Christ frees us from grasping our own rights and loving service for the building up of your neighbor, of your church, and in this way of living, even yourself. Um, I'm friends with somebody who uh, doesn't eat meat. He's a vegetarian. Um, not because he, you know, he doesn't think that eating meat is wrong in any way. He just, I think he chooses it for his own health. But every so often he eats at uh, a place, uh, a ministry that seeks to bring in um, men who, in the throes of addiction or in hurting ways. Um, and, it, and he'll go eat lunch with them and um, it's not a menu you choose from. You eat what you know, they have made that day. It's a meal. Uh, but when he eats there, he is sometimes, you know, served meat. So for the sake of not making things about his own right, I mean, he could say, you know, make, make a deal of it and possibly break a fellowship with people as they're offering him a good gift. That's why Paul says this is not for your own conscience' sake, but for the consciousness of the other, the other who is honoring you and serving you this thing. So for the sake of caring and sharing a meal with other men who are getting their bearings straight, he forgoes his right and refuses, uh, and he forgoes the right to refuse me. He does not make it about him, but he seeks the good of others. He wants their benefit. So uh, perhaps what are some of the rights now in your own life that you've noticed that you could be possibly clinging to? I know for me, I... I love to argue. I will argue till I'm, uh, I don't know, I can't, I don't have any breath left in my, in my lungs. But it's not always me arguing for the sake of the truth of the matter, it's me arguing for the sake of just being right. I always just want to be, that's it, I just, being wrong is humiliating, who would want to do that? But it actually can become a detriment to my friend or the person that I'm actually having a conversation with could humiliate them and my, in my you know, bulldozing way of seeking to be right. Or how about this? How about uh, a clinging to ourselves, to the things in life that make us feel like we're enough for God, enough for maybe your spouse or your children, enough for your friends, enough for your parents, clinging to your goodness, your good works, your niceness, clinging uh, to your service for others, to your own work, clinging to reading the right books, to watching the right movies, listening to the right sermons, maybe uh, the non-essential theological issues that you cling to can even become divisive and hurtful. But Paul writes in the next chapter, in chapter 11, verse 1, he says, be imitators of me, as I am of Christ. Paul now points to Christ as the essential source from which all our deeds flow as Christians, in which they can flow. It's by looking upon Christ and seeing his work and what he has done for you. Then you are then motivated to give up your own rights. None of this clinging makes us righteous before God. None of this doing, none of our rights make us acceptable before God. Because in God's abundant grace, 
The faith given to you in Jesus already has made you and will make you right in God's sight. In faith, Jesus has already given you all the things you lack. Uh, uh, sorry. In Jesus, Jesus, Jesus has already given you all the things, and you lack no good thing when it comes to righteousness. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort, any participation in the Spirit, any affection, sympathy, Paul writes to the Philippians, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves. And here we go. Which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So if anyone had the right to do whatever, it was Jesus. But in his abundant love for you, he gave up his own rights so that you might have all the benefits. So, when you're invited to receive Christ and the bread and the wine, remember as you eat and remember as you drink that Christ and all his benefits have already been given to you, and you are free to love and serve your neighbor for their edification. The essential issue of the what of your life now informs, shapes, and patterns the how. How do you love and serve your neighbor? It's have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ, who did not think himself equal with God, but humbled himself before, before us to the point of death on the cross, for the benefit of you and the building up of his church. So when you find yourself clinging to your rights, when you find yourself clamoring for uh, your own justification, look upon Christ. Turn your eyes upon him, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this world will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. In the name of Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns now and forever. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.